Candace Sampson, and you're listening to What She Said right here on 105.9 The Region. And we are celebrating women today because this is our International Women's Day show. It is. Oh, it is, too. I love women. Yeah. <laughs> I am one. I love me. Yes. I love you. I love you. <laughs> this is such a great celebration of us, us. really. It's really just the Amber and Candace show. I think What's that's what we're going to call it. <laughs> we're so cute. Aren't we? I think, I think we are. I think we are. Okay, so, but in a serious note, International Women's Day, you know, who do you admire? Oh, Wow. Who do I admire? I admire so many from different walks of life, whether it's in my career or in my personal life. That's hard. Right. That's hard. But, you know, on International Women's Day, so this is what we're going to do today up over on the Facebook page. I'd like people to tag somebody they admire and, you know, spread the love a little because I think a lot of times women don't know that they're admired by somebody else. I agree with that. I do. Right? I do. So I admire you. I admire you. You know, and I think I want to just shout it out on the radio. I, you know, I think my daughters are pretty amazing. I think your daughters are amazing, too, because yeah. you've told me all about them. Yeah, and my mom, my mom is great. So, you know, I think it's something that we need to focus on. And so just to spread the love a little today, that's what I'm asking. Is people just go and tag somebody uh, for International Women's Day that they think is doing an I incredible job. I love that. Job. I love that. Okay. I want to do that, too. Okay. I'm doing it. Awesome. Okay, so on the show today, yes. Amanda Alvaro is the award-winning co-founder and president of Pomp and Circumstance, and she's a regular political commentary on CBC's Power and Politics. I've seen her many times. She's incredible. She is. Super smart. So she's joining me today to discuss the state of women's affairs in Canada in 2020. Mm-hmm. We have a great conversation, so you want to be around for that. And so how do you take control of a word that holds great power over women? You make fun of it. You turn it into a comedy show called The Slut Parade. Yes. (laughs) I got you. Allie Pierce is joining me in studio to discuss the show, this all-female sex-positive comedy show. I think that sounds like a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. And I'd like to make fun of a lot of different words (laughs) that maybe not... So nice. Yeah. So this nice is a sounding. good one. Yeah. And Anne Brody is bringing us a plethora of strong female leads this week for Saturday Night at the Movies so we can celebrate with hot buttered popcorn. Mm. And it takes courage to work in an industry that is largely male dominated. So uh, Rachel Rupnarine from Maple Honda here, right here in Vaughan yes. uh, will be here to share her experience as a service advisor at this very forward thinking employer. I really like that because yeah. I really like Maple Honda too. Yeah. Nice folks there. And Finally, Dawn Levine uh, will be in to sweeten our moods with her unique sense from Mood Honey. Um, after suffering from postpartum depression, Dawn took her experience in the perfume industry and her background in psychology uh, to start a business that improves mood through the power of scent. I believe that 1,000% because if I wake up and I smell coffee brewing, mm. I am all over that. That and bread. Well, you know, she, she shares that lemon can boost your mood. There's a scent of lemon can boost your mood for up to 30 minutes. I believe it. Very fresh, citrusy. Right. Effervescent. Right. Like you. <laughs> I'm just a giant lemon. <laughs> you are my lemon. So be sure to follow us on social media. You can find all the links and watch interviews on whatshesaidtalk.com. And check out our podcast on Apple and Spotify. All right, and it's coming. All we got to get right back to where we started from. Love is good. Love can be strong. We got to get right back to where we started from. 
just spoke to a Meridian advisor about variable versus fixed rate mortgages. And they told me that variable rates change based on Meridian's prime rate. Exactly. And that you could pay your mortgage down faster if Meridian's prime rate goes down. How did you know? I spoke with an advisor, too. So let's get a a Meridian five-year variable rate mortgage at 2.90%. Totally. Apply today at meridianmortgages.ca or visit a Meridian branch. Rates subject to change without notice. Some restrictions apply. 2.90% APR assumes the typical example of a new mortgage. Amanda Alvaro is the award-winning co-founder and president of Pomp and Circumstance PR and a regular political commentator on CBC's Power and Politics. She's joining me today to discuss the state of women's affairs in Canada in 2020. Welcome to the show, Amanda. Thanks for having me. I feel like this is something that you and I could probably spend hours talking about, but we're going to have to really condense it for this show. I have no doubt. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, so International Women's Day is a day to celebrate the unique and remarkable assets that women bring to the table in business, politics, and life. Mm-hmm. But it's also a day to recognize the gaps. Mm -hmm. So that's what we really want to talk about today is, so from pay equity to career advancement to leadership positions, um, let's dive in. How are are women in Canada still at a serious disadvantage when it comes to these issues? Well, I wish, you know, it's 2020. I wish we were sitting across from each other talking about how close we are to closing that gap. But truth is, we still have a ways to go. So a lot of progress has been made over the last decade in particular, even the last few years. But if you go by the numbers and kind of look back, in 1911, I'm taking you all the way back to 1911. Even before my time. (laughs) (laughs) Women earned about 52% of what men earned. Okay. Okay. Today, we earn 88. So 88 cents on the dollar. I mean, we're talking almost 100 years later, over 100 years later, and we are still, we still haven't closed that gap. But we can't walk in and deliver 80 percent of the work. No, we can't. We can't. Exactly. You're exactly right. There's uh and so I think that this is this is the big challenge. It's it's that challenge, but it's also a leadership challenge. We have a problem where only 5% of our CEOs are women. 5%. It's such a yeah. a tiny number. Uh, we have less than 16% of women-owned businesses. We need to really look at those numbers. How do we get more women on boards? Only 23% of women are on the big boards in Canada. So huge deficits and huge gaps. And we talk a lot about pay equity and certainly pay equity plays a big role and we want to close that number so that we move from the 88 to 100. But we also have to take a look at some of these leadership opportunities for women. So when you say leadership opportunities, Mm. you mean so as the CEO and and so, yeah, because recently um, uh, Goldman Sachs, uh, David Solomon at at Davos, you know, there was headlines all over the Mm. world when they came out and said, you know, they're only going to uh, take companies public uh, if they have a woman on the Mm. board. And part of me was like, yay, that's great. And then part of me was like, this is sad. Why are we like... (laughs) It is sad. We're really only at this point where where we're finally championing championing this. Yeah. So... Talk, talk, talk. Let's talk to me a little bit about what does it mean when more more women... what does it mean for women and more broadly society when women are in charge as CEOs, mm-hmm. when they show up on these boards? Mm-hmm. What, what are we looking at? What are the ch- sort of changes you think we'll see? 
Well, I mean, if you look at at women who are running companies, women who are on boards, typically those companies are doing better because there's a better equity of work and there's better ideas that are being brought to the table because there's a diversity of ideas. It's not just coming from one place with one history of experiences. And so companies who are considering, how do I bring more women into the C-suite? How do I bring more women into executive positions are doing so because they understand from creativity to strategic thinking to better team players, there's ways that women control and lead and advance company business. And they do it in um, as women, not as women trying to be men, totally. which makes the environment so much more balanced. Exactly. Right? There's, I think that there's a collaboration that doesn't always exist. But again, there's a I- diversity of ideas. And really, it's ideas that are going to lead these companies into the next decade with a rapidly changing workforce. So what does the dynamic of that workforce look, look at? And even if you take a look at kind of jobs of the future, so STEM jobs, science, technology, engineering, and math, areas that we know are going to explode in the next decade, and you take it all the way back to young girls. How are we preparing girls and young women for some of those jobs? I work with um, a charity called Actua, and they're trying to get more women into these fields. And and one of the most alarming things is that, A, girls don't see them themselves in those roles. Mm-hmm. They don't see their place at that table. That's a huge challenge. Um, and so we're only having about a third of our graduates consider those uh, fields, science, technology, engineering, and math, despite the fact that we know that's where the jobs are going to be. And that's that's a broader uh, statement, I think, on our society in general. You know, I think about my, my daughters in particular. Mm-hmm. They, were, they were very good at math and mm-hmm. very strong. And then all of a sudden, it, they became, mm, no. Mm-hmm. And I think that was more basically sort of what was put on them by society. Totally. Um, so that that is what we need to address at a younger age so that sure. they don't, um, hit that gap and and say, oh, I don't want to. But as as a, as a uh, we need to push them forward and through it, mm-hmm. so they continue to do it. They feel encouraged to do it because mm-hmm. there is such a strong need for them in this field, right? As you said, we're going to have a major shortage in this. Uh, well, we have a major shortage now. We do. It's it's kind of interesting if you look at and and I've spent a little bit of time thinking about this. And if you look at s- sort of the gender stereotypes that still exist with our young girls and and young women in particular, there was an interesting study that came out from Plan Canada last year, and they said, "What does a CEO look like?" They asked thousands of girls and boys and only 10% said a woman. Uh. 10%. So we have, you know, we don't only have the gap that we're dealing with in 2020 physically as our C-suites and our boards, Mm -hmm. but we have a gap that's now expanding with our young people. Yeah, because they will be 2040. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And so I look at a country like Mm -hmm. Finland. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think now there, mm-hmm. this is the society we're, we're looking for. Mm-hmm. How do we get there? Exactly. What are we doing wrong? And and kind of some of what, what the research is showing is that a lot of girls believe, listen, I have the ability to be a leader, but confidence is the key. And most girls and boys will, will say that confidence is the number one attribute that a CEO has. But if you ask girls in particular, where does their confidence rank? Most will only say, 55% say that they're confident enough to lead. So what do we need to do with our young girls? And part of it is like, listen, they need to see women in those roles. Yeah, you they can't to, be what you can't see. Exactly. So they need to see women in the roles, um, and whether that's leadership in companies or it's leadership in politics, mm-hmm. they need 
to see women running companies. They need to see women running ministries. They need to see women running the country. Right. And and each of those pieces will play a role in, a, in girls looking at whether it's jobs in STEM all the way through to politics. I can see myself there because I have a role model that's embodying the very job that I want to have one day. Right. So let's talk about politics a little bit mm-hmm. because, you know, we look at a country like Finland. I think all of their parties right now are run by women. I think they're mm-hmm. all under 35, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, then we'd look at the, we'd look south of the border, and the big question is: Is Elizabeth Warren electable? Right. Really? I know. You know, and then, and why, and we, you know, and you look at the landscape in Canada, mm-hmm. it's not much brighter here for women. No. Um, so is that a question of how the media treats women in <laughs> politics? Um, because I wonder in Finland, and I don't know a lot about Finland, mm-hmm. uh, but, you know, is their media treating women in politics different uh, than uh, over here where it seems like we're, we're questioning what they're wearing and maybe what they did 40 years ago? And mm-hmm. so you tell me what you think. So I think there's a few things at play. I think, first of all, we still have a pay equity gap here. So that's one challenge. I think, number two, we still have women occupying most part-time roles. And part of the reason why women are, are uh, occupying part-time roles is because there's a child care gap as well. So mm-hmm. we have an affordability and accessibility issue when it comes to child care. Those things haven't been closed yet. Then on the other spectrum, we have politics in general. What does it mean to be a woman in politics in 2020? Well, if you look at from leadership candidates to um, member of parliament or member of provincial parliament candidates, they're getting literally harassed in their social media channels. Mm-hmm. So I'm, you know, I'm a younger woman or I'm a woman who's considering a career in politics and I go to any one of these channels, especially women who have high profiles, and they're on a daily basis dealing with this online harassment. We have to get to some of that too. Men certainly aren't dealing with half as much as women in politics are dealing with in Canada. And I, the final thing I'll say about politics is is we've gone backwards. So where progress has been made, you know, in some areas when it comes to women in Canada, leadership in politics has really taken a step back. We have uh, fewer women leading our provinces than we ever have before. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have fewer leadership candidates that are female. And in the last election, in some parties, we had fewer candidates who were running for parliament. That's a huge concern. So I, I now I think that's basically my opinion on that is that it's because uh, of how they're treated differently mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. in all in the spaces of social media, in the places of traditional media. Totally, uh, it's it, it's an unfair landscape, obviously, because the things that they're being questioned about, mm-hmm. men are not getting those same questions, right? So is that really the biggest hurdle? And if it is, how do we get? media, traditional media maybe, Mm -hmm. uh, at this point, to get on board with that? Mm -hmm. Is it calling them out? Mm I think some of that is starting to happen. Even as a commentator, I can tell you that, you know, if I post a tweet and there are hundreds of comments, a big majority of those comments will be the kind of comments that nobody wants to read. Um, you know, it's a it's an opinionated, aggressive field. You have to be willing to put your fists up. And I think a lot of women are prepared to take that on. So some of it is calling it out, finally calling it out. I think right. traditional media has a huge role to play in that, not just, you know, those people who are on social media defending uh, women in politics, but certainly traditional media has a role to play in that as well. I think my favorite thing that I'm seeing right now going around is when people fix the headlines. Yeah. <laughs> True. They yeah. say they're fixed it for you and they totally. make it they make it actually an acceptable headline when it comes to a woman. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so let's so we've talked about a lot of things we have to catch mm-hmm. up on. So but 
give me an example of some of the things we're doing right. What's what's happening that's really good right now? Well, you know, despite the fact that we've taken some steps back in politics, we do have women. For instance, our chief of staff to the prime minister is a woman. Um, she's I, I, I really love her message to women. Um, she's made it clear that not only should the cabinet be 50 percent women, but also around their table in the in the PMO. That's the kind of leadership that we haven't seen before. Uh, the prime minister himself is called a feminist prime minister. That's a big deal. And, and you know, he was heckled and, yeah. and, and for that. But he stood firm on that um, on that assertion. Mm-hmm. He made it sort of a global issue. So if you go to other countries, Canada is often regarded in that way. That's progress. That's the, Those are steps that we're taking in the right direction. And despite the fact that we're behind in terms of women in the C-suite and women-owned businesses, we are seeing a rise in female entrepreneurship. So the trend, the trajectory is headed in the right direction, albeit slow. Good, good. Well, that is encouraging to see. And, you know, feminist is not a dirty word. Absolutely not. <laughs> it's treated that way. So uh, so thank you so much for joining us, Amanda. Uh, we're definitely going to go deeper on these topics at a later date. Uh, I hope uh, it's dialogue that this, like this that's going to make a difference, Absolutely. right? So if people want to know more about you, where can they go? Well, they can go to my Twitter feed if they want all the opinions, Amanda Alvaro, <laughs> uh, or to my company website, pompandcircumstancepr.com. Okay, wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. The Region. I'm Ann Romer. Join me for The Feed, York Region's only news magazine show, every Saturday morning at 9, Sundays at 5 on 105.9 The Region. Listen live anytime at 1059theregion.com. Is spring cleaning on your mind? Let the professionals at Messy Made make short order of your cleaning needs. Get the people you can trust to put the shine back in your home or business. Go to MessyMade.com to arrange a quote. Welcome back to What She Said with Candace Sampson on 105.9 The Region. Question, tell me how you feel about this. Try to control me, boy, you get dismissed. Pay my own condo and I pay my own bills. Always 50-50 in relationships. The shoes on my feet, I bought. The clothes I'm wearing, I bought. The rock I'm rocking, I We've got our very strong, very independent <laughs> Anne Brody joining us in the studio now to share some strong female leads with us just in time for International Women's Day. <laughs> uh, starting with the new docu-series on Hulu, Hillary. One of the strongest women ever. I am obsessed with this docu-series. I can't wait to see it because I I adore Hillary Clinton. Yeah, I do and now. I think though she's super polarizing. People either love her or but hate her. But that is that is strategy by her opposition. She, it, oh. It's that's why it's not her. She talks about the way they made things up about her, the way they forced the public to be partisan, either hating her or loving her. Mm-hmm. That's not who she is. So the problem that she encountered is that nobody really knew who she was. So this documentary goes a long way to fix that. It's really intimate, really intimate. Not only do we discover the roots and the complete mastery she has over politics and being a politician that dates back to when she was a child, for heaven's sakes. She's been in this a long, long time. 
and it's such a pity she's not running things now. Oh, <laughs> do you think? Yeah, yeah uh, she is incredible. And, um, you know, when I look back at her history uh, and see the things she's done, uh, I think that Amer- the Americans have been robbed, unfortunately, of a great of a great leader. She's yeah. just wonderful. And this is partially the, uh, you know, the Russian thing, the Russian uh, campaign against her. Do they address in that in the docuseries? Oh, God, yeah. Good. And she talks about... I, I kind of knew it, but not to the to the length that she went about how he is simply a puppet of the Republican Party. So mm-hmm. she lays that out pretty well. And she talks about Bill Clinton. And it's really laid out there. Okay. It's wonderful. Okay, great. Wonderful. One of the greatest docs I've seen in a while. So here's something I think a lot of people in Toronto are going to be watching. Uh, run This Town. And I'll tell you something. Damien Lewis, who plays Rob Ford... It's very dramatic. Rob Ford in the trailer has been shown for a split second from the side or the back. Didn't see him. We wait 35 minutes to see him as a big, fat, burly, sloppy what Rob is Ford. what is what has he been in before? Dave? Homeland. Oh, he's, yes. He's a tall, skinny redhead. Yeah, he's also like my a bit of my crush. Oh I was yeah, like, Wait right. Because he's, he's got those blue eyes. He's so good looking. That's right. That's right. So he's, he's Rob Ford. No. Yes. Oh. So w- what this tells us, this wonderful film, uh, not a hundred percent, but fun. <clears throat> it's super fun. It may not win the Oscar, but it's super fun. So what we learn is that Rob Ford was so debilitated by drug drunk drunks. <laughs> Drugs. Drinks, <laughs> drugs, and whatever, that he couldn't function. And you see him in his office doing what he, he did. You see him stumbling around and grabbing women. Um, so it's his assistant, played by Mina Mossad, who was Aladdin, who actually is the mayor. That's his nickname. Um, and you see this young, aspiring journalist, played by Ben Platt, who's American, who is offered a tape of Rob Ford smoking crack with a bunch of known dealers. So he takes it back to his newspaper, and they say, "Eh, we don't believe it. And then he takes it back and takes it back. They refuse, they refuse. Then he says, they'll give it to you for $150,000. So then the other papers are in on the bidding war. This is all known. This is all known. But... But still shocking, nonetheless, when you put a story together, You learn a lot about Rob... As someone who, in an office of, of respect, you learn how he had no idea where he was half the time. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely shocking. This, again, this sounds familiar to something that's maybe happening south Today, of the border. Today, right? Doesn't it? <laughs> okay. Um, so, next up. Sorry, oh, my God. Sorry I missed you. This, to me, is the winner this week. Okay. Oh, man. Ken Loach is a social realist filmmaker, documentary make, filmmaker in England with a, a really firm view on the working class. This is about the gig economy, focusing on a family. The husband bought a franchise to drive for some someone like Amazon, and um, the wife is a PSW, a social uh, carer for people who live at home and need help. But it's all gigs. So he's forced, they have no money, they have two kids, he's forced to buy a truck. If he's late, his his route is given to someone else. 
If he's late twice, he's fined a big amount of money. So he's actually losing money working for these people. His son's taken to prison. He has to get him out. And uh, he's fined again. So he lives in terror of being fined anymore or they're going to be on, on the streets. So one day he's beaten and robbed in his truck. And um, it's so sad. So it's a sad statement on the gig economy that a lot and of people so he, relate to. he actually goes to work. He's stabbed. He's kicked. He's been beaten around the head. He goes to work. And it's based on a true story of a oh. man who actually died because he didn't have time to go to the doctor because he didn't want to be fined. Wow. Honestly, this Powerful. just knocked my socks off. Okay. Sorry, we, I missed you is the name of it. Okay. And where is that? Where is that? Uh, in the theaters. Okay. Okay, yeah. great. Uh, next up, we have on Hulu, <laughs> again, uh, sci-fi. Yeah, devs. I'm devs. not crazy about it. All right. But I do want to talk about Sundance Now's Idiomatic, okay. which is another couple comedy. Oh, and okay. And it's hilarious. Again, they're just totally open and they say whatever they want. It's it's in Swedish with subtitles. Okay. Or Finnish. I forget which one. Finnish. Yes. Finnish. Yeah. Finnish. Uh, but it is hysterical. Okay. <laughs> it's about two guys who, uh, a guy who's bankrupt and he and his wife are forced to go and live with his father in a very ritzy neighborhood. And they're just way out of their element. But it's so witty. Okay, so there's a, that's a series? That's yeah, a yeah, one? limited okay. series on Sundance now. Okay. Uh, a reboot of Steven Spielberg's Amazing Stories. Do you remember the early ones? I don't. I've never even heard of this. So this is... This really? Is, yeah, so because I'm, I'm it was in the it was in like the 80s, I think. I'm okay. not sure. But I remember Sam Waters. I was around in the people. 80s, but I, I don't think I was watching TV. I think, what was I doing? I was out dancing to Madonna, I think, in the 80s. Uh, <laughs> well, I was too, and watching. <laughs> um, yeah, so that, uh, it's going to be good. They've kept it under wraps, so we'll have to wait to see what uh, what I think, and you think, and we all think. But I do want to mention The End of Truth, which is a film series being put, of three films being put out by the Goethe Institute this week at uh, Lightbox. And these are, these are documentaries about the political situation in terms of, do you remember when someone once coined the, tr the term truthiness mm -hmm. as something not necessarily true? Mm -hmm. That seems to have opened the floodgates for Untruth, fake, fake news, for lying, and, yeah, yeah, all of that. So I think this is going to be really powerful stuff. It would be, yes. And that is March 10th, 12th, and 17th. At Lightbox, yes. Okay, amazing. Okay, so all, as always, Anne, it's a delight to have you here. Oh, and you have more you. up on what she said talk.com. Yes, I do. Thank you, Candace. Thank you. Girl, I didn't know you could get down like that. Darling, how your angels get down like that. Stick around. More What She Said with Candace Sampson coming up on 105.9 The Region. My daddy makes sure that kids like me are safe and warm. He makes windows and doors. That gets rid of drafts, provides security, and adds style to your home or office. My daddy says that not all doors and windows are equal. At Wintech, they make the best so people save money and get real value. My daddy has never lied to me, so if you need new windows or doors, go to Wintech.ca and ask for a free quote. And when he calls you, tell him Maya sent you. Go to Wintech.ca today. 
It's a classic whodunit and you're on the case. Evergreen Hospice presents an evening of fun, frivolity and murder. Thursday, March 26th at the Angus Glen Golf Club Mansion. Mr. Black's been murdered and there are six suspects. The mystery begins. Be wary of the staff. Revel in the evening's live music, dancing, clues and distractions. Your support to Evergreen Hospice provides no charge services for those dealing with life-threatening illness, caregiver stress and grief in our community. Join the fun and bring your investigative team. The case file and event tickets are available now at evgcares.org. is Rachel Rupnarine, who is a service advisor at Maple Honda here in Vaughan. Welcome to What She Said, Rachel. Thank you, Candice. I'm so interested to hear hear your take on working in what is largely a male-dominated workforce Mm -hmm. for so many years. It's so refreshing to me (laughs) that we're we're, we're literally breaking glass ceilings in every industry. So tell me what you do at Maple Honda. Okay, so, um, well, I'm a service advisor. I've been a service advisor for about four years, a little bit over four years. And pretty much the role of a service advisor is to, like, take care of the customers and their needs with vehicles, pretty much. Okay. So was working in the auto industry something you always wanted to do? Actually, so um, I originally wanted to be a mechanic, and this started, like, at, the like, a really young age. I My uncle has a shop, and I used to help out a little bit here and there. And then I went to school for it to be a mechanic. And then eventually the my career path changed a little bit, and I decided to go the service advisor route, which is a little bit more customer service heavy. Right. Yeah. So how did you end up at Maple Honda then? So actually, with so I went to Centennial College and I did a two-year motive power program. And towards the end of my two-year program, they had speed interviews. And I met with the fixed stop manager for Zangin Automotive, the Honda branch specifically. And I got set up with an interview with our service manager. So I'm curious about that interview. Just, you know, was it like rapid speed? What do you know yeah, about cars? Yeah, it was like, well, it's a little bit of both. Most of it was like um, what you were kind of looking forward to in, in the automotive industry. A lot of it was, um, it was a little bit rapid fire. It was really kind of, it was my first interview in kind of like the service, or sorry, the automotive industry. And, um, but yeah, a little bit was like, what do you know about cars? Kind of wanted to know your knowledge. And then also the, um, he was looking for like a, someone who was like a friendly face that they could uh, see in the frontline staff. I love this, though, because you must have been up against, you know, men Mm -hmm. uh, for this interview, and Mm -hmm. you clearly knew your stuff. So (laughs) you rocked it. I love it. This is so great. So when it comes, how do females respond to you when they come in? They're probably not expecting. Yeah, it's actually, I find a lot of feedback is like really positive. A lot of people are super surprised to see uh, like a woman um, in this particular role and they find it refreshing actually. They find it um, very comforting having someone there that they can relate to and not feel so overwhelmed that they may not know certain things about vehicles, but that's what I'm there for, right? Right. And then um, even with men too, I find them surprised too with my knowledge. They're like, wow, I didn't really expect you to know all this stuff. And I used to work in the shop for a little bit too, so I know how to get my hands dirty as well. I love this, I love this. So when it comes to servicing a vehicle, 
how often should we be getting our car serviced? So um, you should really follow the manufacturer's recommended um, like servicing, whether it be at least an oil change once a year. And it, lots, sometimes it stems further than that, but that's like the bare minimum you should be doing. Um, like, for example, with our, most of our Hondas run on an eight to 10,000 kilometer um, service schedule and uh, for their oil changes. And if that doesn't, if you don't do much driving, then at least once a year you should be doing it. Okay. Okay. So there is a common belief that getting your car serviced at the dealership is going to be significantly more expensive than anywhere else. So how would you respond to that? So actually, I find, yeah, there is a common belief, but it's actually um, people don't really get the whole picture because, yeah, you can service your car elsewhere. But usually what we find is that people are coming back again to get a service like right again at the dealer so rather than going somewhere and then having to pay for it twice just get it done fixed the right time right and then um also you're getting like quality service these guys know what they're doing they're trained specifically for example for the hondas they're all trained specifically for these vehicles there's no one know like they they know these cars the best yeah right? so they're not so, walking over to google to look up what yeah, something no. is they know, <laughs> they know right away some of these guys you can tell them what's wrong with a car given the year and they're like okay it's that like you right know, sometimes they don't even have to see it but they look but right you know what i mean okay so you, pro- you really know cars inside and out. So you're probably not surprised to hear that when it comes to cars, the environment is top of mind mm-hmm, for women. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is the future of electric and hybrid vehicles and how specifically is Honda tackling this issue? So um, Honda's actually introduced a whole bunch of um, new, some are kind of rebranding, but um, they've got, we've got the Insight, the Clarity, we've got the Accord Hybrid. Um, all of those are um, hybrid vehicles. Uh, the Clarity is a hybrid plug-in vehicle. Um, and then even our, like, regular gasoline motors, they're, like, so fuel efficient. They all come standard with, like, eco mode. Um, they're Like, Honda's got to be, like, one of the most fuel efficient uh, vehicles as well. So, so the Clarity, the Clarity um, interests me. I was looking at a Clarity. So... Mm-hmm. How far can a Clarity go on an electric charge? It, it can vary. depends on, on really, again, driving habits and everything. But I believe they can run between four to 500 kilometers. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So th- that's not just on electric, though. That's, that's a, it's, it's a hybrid. So sometimes, so really how the hybrids work is that they're going uh, to go, um, when the battery drains a little bit low, the engine starts and pretty much it's charging the battery. So you will have brief moments in, in time where you do have that, but it's the plug-in vehicle. Like that one's where you actually plug it in, whereas our other Honda, um, Hondas that are uh, hybrid as well, they just are straight hybrid you don't have to plug it in okay those types depends on kind of what you want out of hybrid vehicles some people short distances some people are doing more long distance so it depends on what you really need so the fuel savings on that though has to be significant significant even in servicing too so like clarities have regenerative braking so you don't really like replace brakes as often mm-hmm. um the clarity is also replaced out of like um recycled uh, materials as well right so oh, very cool yeah and then um even um fuel efficiency or oil changes too with um the insight or the accord whereas normally you would do like eight like i said eight to ten thousand kilometers uh for oil changes you actually double that because the motor's not running that often right wow yeah so that's a huge savings as well Mm -hmm. and maintenance yeah for sure um are there still rebates you can get for i believe you can't get them anymore just because of the whole change in parliament and all that stuff but i don't believe before they were offering it for a really long time though and it was a really good deal okay 
So there is a statistic that says 43% of women lack trust in the auto industry. Um, how has Maple Honda addressed this issue, not just for women, but for mm-hmm. all consumers, really? Yeah, Maple Honda, and specifically, like we try to treat all customers exactly the same, but we tailor to your needs um, as an individual, whether it be your gender, anything, it doesn't matter. So um, what we do specifically is like if some people are lack a bit of understanding of what we're explaining, we try not to use too much like technical jargon. We try to explain things as, as simple as possible if, if that's what's needed. And um, a lot of things, visuals help a lot too. So if it's possible, we try to take photos and kind of explain it, go in depth and say, this is what you need. And then we try to also establish that um, amount of trust as well. So like, for example, um, if customers um, say there's certain things like pricing is usually bottom line. So we'll try and, and give them, tell them the services that they need to do right away. And then if they need to, we can say, okay, let's hold off on this for now. And that way we can develop a better relationship. So you understand that we're not just trying to push everything on you. We're trying to help you out and help your vehicle last as long as possible. Okay. Amazing. So what advice would you give any women listening right now who would like to pursue a career in the automotive industry? I would just say, honestly, just do it. Don't be intimidated. Um, go to school if, if you want to further your knowledge, especially uh, with cars, with automotive. Um, gain as much knowledge as you can. That way you always have that to fall back on. There's nothing. No one could ever tell you anything because you know your stuff. So, um, And then seize every opportunity. There's tons of scholarships uh, with like through Centennial College, they had a number of them that were just for females only. So um, for sure, uh, seize any opportunity you can get. I'm curious, when you were in school, were you the only female in your class? I was probably about three or four in the entire program of a few hundred. So, so did you yeah. did you all gravitate to each other? Actually, yeah, I'm friends with a lot of them still. So right, yeah, yeah, so I, I have all of them like on Facebook, social media still. And we we check in on each other every now and then but yeah I'm still friends with and them they all found them. and they all found employment most, in- yeah most of them are, are still um, are either mechanics or they're in a role in service actually wonderful yeah. So thank you so much for joining me in the studio today no and sharing your expertise you. with us. So if women would like to find out more about careers with Maple Honda, where can they get more information? Um, you can, I believe they should, on our, our website, they should have a careers tab. If not, just um, walk in, drop off your resume, or send an email to uh, the service manager, which would be like okay. less at So maplehonda.com? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, wonderful. Or they can walk into the dealership, which, which yeah. is located at? Uh, 89 Autobahn, Jane and Rutherford. Okay, wonderful. Thank you so much. No problem. Have a story for what she said? Email us at 1059theregion.com. communications, which is a very far cry <laughs> from a creative and um, tactile endeavor like this. Oh, absolutely. This is this is miles apart, <laughs> I would imagine, right? If, if you look at that snapshot, yes. But if you follow the thread backwards, it actually begins to feel very much to me at this point like a story that the plot like is coming together. To absolutely. And, right. and you really do need to let it unfold and just do the next right thing, as they say in Frozen 2. <laughs> the mother of young children oh, speaks. Lord, yes. there's three of them and there's a lot of Frozen 2. Um, 
But it is a beautiful time, actually, in this experience, because now I feel so much that my pain has become a purpose, that my mess has become a message, um, and that I really feel that I am really embodying my dharma in lots of ways, my purpose in lots of ways. So right. it, it is a strange thing when you feel like you're really stuck in the muck and um, you're not sure how it's going to get better. It does get better. And um, later, when you get to look back on that process, man, is it gratifying? It's yeah. wonderful. And, and then sometimes when you're, you know, we had a, we had a guest on a couple of weeks ago who talked about uh, sometimes you can't see the label because you're in the jar. Ooh, that's good. Isn't that great? That is so. I've used it a million times since because I good. love it. Uh, but I think that that we all get in those moments where we're so deep mm-hmm. in stuff that we can't see it. Uh, so now that you're you're on the other side of this, Whew. you must look and say. Yeah, this was meant to be like because even as a political uh, 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 communication, mm-hmm. political communications, you're using your communication skills now Certainly. today in this, but for something that means so much more to you. Certainly, all those skills are super relevant. You know, just kn- knowing things about how to create visual identity or listening to you know who are you communicating with, who are your audience, in what ways do they receive those messages. That's all you know hard or soft skills that I learned during those times. They're all right. wonderful and a part of a well-rounded me. Um, but, you know, I, I hate to say it, but my mother was right. Oh, um, <laughs> that's, isn't that the worst when you have to it say is. that? Mom, oh, and my kids, you're going to see oh, that later I, too. I can't wait for my kids to say it. That's, yeah. It's a beautiful, they must be it just must be a beautiful back, moment. Like, oh, baby, that feels good. But she used to say, look way down the road. But it's, you know, it's great advice, but I'm not sure it is great advice when you're in the muck. You can't receive that message when, you know, I'm just thinking back in postpartum depression, you can't find a reason to get up. Mm -hmm. You can't find a reason to eat. And so hearing look way down the road, there's no road. There's no road. And so it is is, um, challenging advice to give someone who is that far down. But looking back, I'm I'm glad I have that because she was right. Yeah. She was right. So when you, so mood honey then, Tell me about the inspiration for Mood Honey. So um, during high school and university, I worked for a perfume and cosmetics company, um, Couture Perfumes, and they were great mentors and they were always very much into training us, getting ex- us excited about what is an accord, what um, are the elements of fragrance, what makes a good fragrance. You know, there's a, a base note and a middle note and a top note, and they come together very much like music. That's why the word accord is part of fragrance description. And notes, I And guess. notes, you've yeah, got it. Right. And so that was a real um, fun experience. It was joyful, and I didn't think, you know, I'll be coming back to this later. I just thought, what a blast. I love this. You know, I was very much an Al Pacino. Loved to, what are you wearing? Oh, I bet you're wearing, you know, Dolce Gabbana light blue. Ooh, got it. Like, <laughs> it, was, it was a pleasure. And um, But then I moved on in my life. I completed my psychology degree. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you learn so much about sensation, perception, the very underused sense of smell. Uh, there was a, a study I read recently about how people would rather lose a they would rather lose their sense of smell than their big toe which is bizarre oh no my toe could go (laughs) 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 which is right because actually there are so many things that can happen from a negative perspective cognitively if you do lose your sense of smell so working backwards from that you know in my um, work with many therapy modalities during um, my time with postpartum depression 
a lot of it comes back to self-care. And actually, a very easy element of self-care is smell. 75% of the emotions you generate on a daily basis are influenced by smell. And you're 100 times more likely to remember something that's triggered by smell than you are by any other modality. I mean, to this day, if I smell bread rising, I am transported to my grandmother's kitchen. Isn't that wonderful? Like in instantly. It's it's such a simple way. It's it's like time travel. It's like time travel. Yeah. You know, and it it makes you happy and you feel lighter. So yeah, I can absolutely see that connection between scent and and, and mood. Absolutely. And so so citrus was a big one for me. I know you get a mood bump for 30 minutes after you smell citrus. And Uh so just even through some of the skills coaching that they gave me, um, they didn't specifically say, you know, you should smell some lemons, but when I felt what felt nice to me, just when you're sitting in the worst of the worst, that was a great element of self-care for me. And then moving forward as my life progressed and, um, you know, looking down the road, I went and things improved. And um, I realized that I was starting to detoxify my home and my life. And, you know, you have kids and you don't want to expose them to chemicals. And lots of our amazing, beautiful fragrances, unfortunately, have a lot of chemicals in them, hormone disruptors, carcinogens. And so I realized I had to get rid of something that I loved so much. And it was a challenge. And I thought, you know what, I could probably make that. And so at home, I started experimenting and experimenting, experimenting turns into hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of vials and forcing my husband smell this does this smell is this balanced and he i mean the poor man has learned a lot about fragrance (laughs) in the last few years and then it it morphed into something more and i realized that i wanted to continue my ongoing um relationship with the women's college hospital because of all the work they did to save my life to be honest and also for so many other women um i knew whatever i did i wanted to donate a portion of what I did to the work they're doing. And so a dollar of every Moved Honey fragrance goes to the Women's Mental Health Program at Women's College Hospital. I love that. I love companies that give back. It's so important. It should be, you know, every company should have that component mm-hmm. to it. So from the hundreds and hundreds of <laughs> vials that and your poor husband and his, his, oh, man. Yeah, his exhausted <laughs> nose, uh, you you narrowed it down to seven I sort did. of key scents. And yeah. you, you brought them into the studio today. And if I had smell-o-vision, I could send it yes. over the airwaves. I would. Um, I'm already hooked on Field Fairy. I'm wearing it now. I love it. It's a beautiful one. So tell me about the other ones quickly. Sure. So uh, the seven sort of was mostly a magic number because I was trying to incorporate the different kinds of fragrances, woody, oriental, floral, musky, earthy. Um, And there's a bit of a chakra thing going on there as a yogi as well, because they each sort of resonate with a different energy center. But you've got everything from forest bathing, which is a very earthy, woodsy. um, You've got your patchouli notes in there for the hippies in the audience. (laughs) Um, And then all the way to something like cake break, which actually, bless my husband, he named because it smells like lemon pound cake. It's got your vanilla and your lemons and just very light and uh, gentle and, and yummy. So, yeah. so we tried to hit all the notes and everything we created, and I what think was we one, succeeded. What was the one I said that smelled like a spa? I said and that I said, was stargazing. Oh yeah, that is like spa yeah. mood. So stargazing actually was inspired by a Chanel fragrance. And um, so I really wanted something for people that weren't sure if they were ready to say goodbye to their, um, you know, their Chanel. yeah, we can do that. We can do that with plants. We can do that with with Amazing. materials that are not bad for you. So I okay. Hope. 
So we're going to do an amazing Instagram giveaway. I'm so excited. With Mood Honey and what she said. So head on over to what she said talk on Instagram um, after the show to find out how to enter to win the full line of Mood Honey fragrances uh, with a value of over $260. It's juicy. Yes, it is. <laughs> and Dawn, um, thank you so much for coming here to sweeten our mood. Where can thank people you. find more about Mood Honey? Come to moodhoney.ca or you can follow me on Instagram at mood underscore honey. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thanks. <laughs> Still being picked on for being picky? Perfect. Meridian's good-to-grow high-interest savings account was made for you. At Meridian, we say be picky. Order that half-calf, half-sweet, no-foam latte with whip. (sighs) Try on your whole closet until your outfit is outstanding. And accept nothing less than 3% interest for four months when you open your first good-to-grow high-interest savings account. Meridian, expecting more for your money. That's wealth esteem. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to What She Said with Candace Sampson on 105.9 The Region. Hi there, I'm Phil McCabe, the technical producer here at 105.9 The Region and a producer on this show. You're about to hear a chat that Candace had with comedian Allie Pierce about a comedy show that Allie created. The reason I'm telling you this is because we learned that the name of the comedy show cannot be said on the radio according to the regulations put out by the Canadian Broadcast Standards Council. Throughout the segment, you'll be hearing me beep out the name. But by all means, head over to What She Said social media at What She Said Talk to catch the name of Allie's show. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Take it away, Candace. Pierce is a Montreal native who not so recently relocated to Toronto. She is a weekend regular at the Corner Comedy Club, but where she's really making some noise is as the creator of the Parade, a sex-positive show. Do the show, Allie. Oh, thank you so much for having me. So I have to tell you, this morning when we came in, we're getting ready, our, our sound guy Phil said, um, is there more than one woman coming in for that? And I said, Phil, it's not really a parade <laughs> i guess i could have brought a posse <laughs> well he said he had put on cologne and everything <laughs> phil you got to come to the show <laughs> so so tell me what inspired you to create the parade i am uh i've been doing stand-up for just shy of three years and i'm a dirty comic so whether I like it or not, I just always tend to write on the sort of more risque side. And I was finding that generally when men and women show up on stage, men get a lot more forgiveness from the audience, whereas I was working a lot harder for people to get on board with what I had to say. So I kind of figured if I created a show where I have men and women on the show, but primarily women, I figured that it would be a great way for them to be able to speak openly about whatever they wanted without getting any backlash from the audience because of the name. People know exactly what they're getting. Right. They, they know what up. they're getting before they go in. So, exactly. right. So maybe they wouldn't go if they, if they yeah, didn't necessarily like, agree with it. I right. don't think anyone's going to come to the show if they're feeling conservative. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say that's, safe. Yeah. that's a safe bet. <laughs> and it's not only, you know, about sex and dating, but it just kind of gives people uh, the safety to speak about whatever they want without feeling uncomfortable. Right. Um, and, and I get that because, I mean, is a pretty powerful yes. word, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, just by putting that out there, you've sort of expanded the boundaries of what people can expect within the show. Exactly. I think that um, generally there's this 
idea that it's such a negative word because it is and it's shot at women and it's aimed at women to make them feel bad about their sexual experiences and I just kind of thought if we could reclaim it a little bit inside of the comedy community that would be really powerful for women right so as a female comedian what are some of the criticisms you deal with on stage that your male counterparts don't experience Hmm. I think one thing that I've noticed I kind of touched on it a little bit is that if we talk about the same things like if it's equal I feel like I get a lot more flack for it or people pull away more from me. Um, whereas like I do think that when men go on stage, they don't necessarily have that experience. So this is a, so that's an audience um, yeah. a reaction. What's your experience sort of behind with your with your male counterparts? Do, are they supportive? Are they? Uh, yeah. You know, do you get the same sort of backlash from them? It's interesting because I actually think that Toronto is such a great place for stand-up in that way. Um, a lot of the men that I work with are super, super supportive, but I also think that I've chosen who I want to spend time with. So, you know, I think I do a lot of, for example, I work at The Corner regularly, and that's a place that I'm always supported by the men who work there. The owner of that club is a man, and he's put a lot of women on his stage. But it's not always the case. I think that people... Uh, especially when you go out of town, they just kind of assume that you're not going to be as good as them. So there is this thing of like, you always have to prove yourself. You always have to work a little bit harder. Whereas I think that like one thing I've noticed is that if a woman goes on stage and she bombs, everybody thinks like she bombed because she's a woman. But if a man bombs, they're like, he bombed, but he's a nice guy. He'll get it. Mm. So there is that difference. Okay. Okay, so why did you choose that specifically for your show? Is it because it is so yes. explosive? It, right. Exactly. I think that it has a certain amount of weight and shock value, which it's not something that I'm necessarily interested in doing, but I do think it creates this sort of energy around the show that wouldn't necessarily exist without it. Mm -hmm. And I know that women, like, especially if you go on any like YouTube star or comedian or whatever, if you go look at the comment section of any photo they post or any video they post, it's riddled with things like she's this, she's mm -hmm. that. Whereas like men don't necessarily have the same experience. Right. And I think that this kind of just destigmatizes and just ta tears that, I don't know, that idea down a little bit. Right. It takes a shame attached to it away. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Because I do think that when men have sexual experiences they're celebrated for it and women are told to be quiet the more things change <laughs> yeah. the more things change the more they stay the same exactly. that, that hasn't changed in a while so tell me about the lineup of, of incredibly creative and funny women you have oh my gosh we have truly Toronto and honestly Canada's best comedians on this show it's an unbelievable lineup of women they are I mean their credits go on and on and on just for laughs all of it They've been on everything you can imagine. It's also women that like I started with and like my my pal Olivia Stadler, who I started with, she's on the show. We create a ton of stuff together. I'm so excited that she's going to be on it with me. But Sandra Badalini, Jackie Pirico, Tamara Siobhan, Rebecca Reeds, Carol Zockley, Natalie wow. Norman, Noor Hadidi. They are just unbelievable. They are such a diverse group of women and their voices are so unique and so interesting. So I'm very excited to see what they're going to do for the show. So years ago, way back, like way, way, way back in the day, I was yeah. a coat check girl at the Second City and I oh loved it gosh. because I used to, you know, I'd take the coats and then I would be able to go upstairs and watch the show. Yes. And I'd sort of forgotten what stand-up comedy was like. And then last year I was able to, I went to Caroline's in New York City. Oh, amazing. And what an incredible experience. And it really reminded me of what sort of a night out 
watching yeah. stand up comedy. It's it is it's such incredible. a fun night. So yeah. so what is what's what's the state of Canadian comedy right now? Like tell me what we're looking at. Is it <sighs> is it on the rise? Yeah, I mean, luckily, I mean, I would say in Canada, Toronto is the best place to be, without a doubt. Sort of globally, Toronto, New York, and LA are where it's at. There is this um incredible wealth of shows and independent producers and there's this growth happening where people are just creating their own stuff like for myself for example I get to produce my show at Comedy Bar which is hands down my favorite venue in Toronto it's a place where producers get to get to uh, independently put on their own shows. So I come up with a concept. I email Comedy Bar. They let me put it on. It's incredible. Nice. Um, and they support so many different people. So that's that in itself is amazing. I think the state of Canadian comedy is, it's sort of at a fork in the road right now where there's an organization called CASC, the Canadian Association of Stand-Up Comedians. Uh, they're lobbying to get stand-up comedy recognized as an art form in Canada because right now we have absolutely no government funding. Okay. So that's something they're working really hard to change because of the way that uh, funding is structured in Canada comedians leave so okay. we're not able to keep our talent okay Sandra Badalini is the head of that organization by the way she'll be on the show okay so she's great amazing so I'm so glad you came in and joined us today so people want to know more about the slut parade yes. where do they go so right now you can buy tickets to the International Women's Day show at the Royal uh, Royal Cinema website so the royal.to uh, you can follow me on Instagram where I post everything about the show so that's at Ali Pierce Comedy uh, and we also have a monthly show the first Thursday of every month at Comedy Bar so that's at 8pm amazing thank you so much thank you that's it for what she said today we'll be back again next Saturday at noon right here on 105.9 The Region. Be sure to follow us on social media at What She Said Talk and have a great weekend. Previous episodes of What She Said on 1059theregion.com It is your favorite girl. That's right. It's the Ali Mars. The one and the only. Everyone else just ain't me. I am the host of Welcome to Mars, a lifestyle podcast where nothing is off the table. I have come a long way from sex and dating and have transformed the new vibe to all things lifestyle. We still talk sex, but I'm more interested in the journey, where people have come from, how they made it, and where they're going. Subscribe or follow to a brand new look and a brand new era. Welcome to Mars. Subscribe or follow on Apple, Spotify, Google, or at theallymars.com. Because even with the new look, I'm still that same bitch you love to hate. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at Four Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.